Today we are falling into Psalm 5, Psalm 5, so open your Bibles there to Psalm 5, just a little left of the center of your Bible, Psalm chapter 5, Faith Praise. By the way, you are welcome to doodle on that paper for a note to uh, St. Vincent. Uh, My mother, when I was a little boy, um, I was a squirrely little kid in certain ways and mainly in my mind. And um, she allowed me to doodle during church. Uh, Maybe I am now empowering all the kids uh, here, but I'm for you. She allowed me to doodle in church and learned that I listened better when I doodled. So doodle away. Hey, Psalm 5 today, faith praise, faith praise. Now I realize when, uh, when I say that uh, we're going to be essentially talking about prayer today, I think if you've been around the church, if you've been around teaching for a while, there's very common, I think, two uh-ohs that go on in your mind in talking about prayer. Uh, one of them is, uh-oh, a sermon on prayer. That means I'm going to be big time guilted today. Um, Another uh uh-oh is a sermon on prayer means I'm going to be given one more prayer acronym. Um, And the goal today is neither of those. I do not want you leaving guilted today or acronymed today. That is not the goal. Instead, I legitimately, I want us just to fall into this psalm. And um, I think out of it and doing that, The Lord is just going to press some things home and encourage us and call us to a further relationship with the Lord out of that. So no guilt, no acronym. Let's just fall into it. Can we do that? Do that? Okay. Agreed upon. Um, Here's what's so cool about Psalm 5. We get to enter into the prayer life of one of the most strategic, uh, important humans in the Bible, David. King David. And, and I would say this, if, if I found out that King David was doing a sermon somewhere, I'm telling you, I would be there. If I found out that King David was leading a workshop at some conference somewhere, I am like, I am there because that would be so cool. But if we had the opportunity to actually be with David in a time where he was like really just praying I would rather be there than at the sermon of him or the workshop by him. Just there in the room while he's praying. And especially when it's a kind of a time in his life where it's a desperation time. I mean, it's one thing to hear people pray over dinner, pray in a Thanksgiving for what's going on. It's another thing to hear people pray where they are at a time and at a point in their life that is utter desperation. And here's what's so cool today. We get to do that. We get to go here in Psalm chapter 5, and we get to participate. We get to just sit in on David praying here, and I am so jazzed up about it. You have no idea, because it's been a blessing absolutely to me this week. Now, some of you more uh, mechanical types who aren't maybe quite the artsy types might be saying, yeah, but but Pastor Doug, don't you realize this is a given in song? In fact, in the very beginning of... uh, Psalm 5, it says, to the choir master for the flute, a psalm of David. This is an artsy-tartsy dude. And um, I don't think this is so much about him praying. It's about him singing. And, and I just want to say, I love you, uh, but you're wrong. Um, was that kind? I meant that in the sweetest possible huggy bear kind of a way. 
but listen, I'm just telling you, you are wrong on this. And sometimes we have this idea that when things move into song, it moves into artsy-tartsy world where it's just like unrelatable. Um, let me clear that up here. Um, the Psalms are raw life. I mean raw life. And Psalm 5 and so many others are like that. Uh, it's raw life, raw thoughts, raw frustrations, raw emotions, raw confusion. It's, it's raw what I've learned about God and experienced with God. It's just a whole lot of rawness. And then you take that raw faith, that raw life, and you put it the song. It doesn't turn it somewhere else different and make it artsy-tartsy. It actually deepens it. There is something about song. That, that just brings an added heart and added emotion. The other part about song is it actually takes the reality of what took place and, and we work to condense it down to, to put the, 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 the base of it right there. Listen, the, the, the Hebrew Psalms are not trying to rhyme words. Okay, that's not how it works in there. So it's like, what cutesy word can I connect with that one to make it rhyme? That's not how the Psalms and the songs work. Uh, there was thought by line. Each line is a thought of depth to it. And so when we come into this, we're, we're not getting into artsy-tartsy song world. We are actually getting into deeper when it's put into song. And words are thought through with great clarity. Um, so this is what's so cool about the Psalms. They're like condensed dove dark chocolates. Just that you, oh, some people told me that they chew dark chocolates like that. And I'm just so broken about it. Um, let me bring in another analogy in as we get into the psalm here, okay? Because I'm trying to help us understand how to dive into the psalms. I think one of the other things about the psalms is sometimes is we, we kind of treat the psalms like fast food drive through It's kind of like they're short. And it's like fast food, drive through chicken nugget meal. You know, and we just kind of take it, we get a little bite, and we just go on then to the next meal with it or that. And, and, but I'll also say the Psalms are not these piled high, like 32-ounce porter steaks that are impossible to eat in one shot. Instead, I would say if you want to think of the Dove Dark Chocolate doesn't help you, each of the Psalms is like the finest of dining meals. We watch the Food Network sometimes. And one of the things I've noticed is, is like in the fine dining stuff, sometimes they're like, what's, what's with that small amount of food? But yet it is like, then when they taste it, it's like every bite is beyond explanation. It's like, give me this smaller amount that has been infused with this that is fantastic and lovely and marvelous. And, and each psalm is like that. It's been precisely prepared. It's been meticulously plated, one at a time for us. It's like master chef inspired and infused. And then that plate is presented to us for us to be able to partake in. Not just to gobble down and throw down like some chicken nugget through a drive-thru. It's like this fine dining experience for us just to, just to kind of take in and enjoy and love. So that's how we're going into Psalm 5. We're going into Psalm 5 with this fine dining experience. It's been master chef prepared and plated. And it declares that faith prays and we get to see it. And I'll just say this. 
as I've been sitting on this at the table of this psalm all week, I think there's three main items on the plate. And the three main items are given in verses 1 through 3, then verse 5 and verse 12. Verses 1 through 3, then verse 8. I'm sorry, I said verses 1 through 3, then verse 8, and then verse 12. And between that, there is this theology, this infusion of these spices that give the validity of what is going on. I, I hope you'll see here as we go through that. There's great theological thought that's going on here. So uh, shall we dine? Okay, let's dine. Verses 1 through 7, David enters in faith. Let me read verses 1 through 3. Give ear to my words, O Lord. Consider my groaning. Give attention to the sound of my cry, my King and my God. For to you do I pray. O Lord, in the morning you hear my voice. In the morning I prepare for you and watch. What an interesting start to a prayer. Um, What a humble start to a prayer. I mean, look at what's going on here. It's kind of like, Lord, may I enter your presence? He, He says, give ear, Lord. Give consideration, Lord. Give attention, Lord. It's interesting. David is just not like barging in on prayer. I think sometimes, uh, I'll just take me as the example. I think sometimes I, and I think sometimes we, kind of have this tendency in prayer just to like to barge in on the Lord. It's like we've got a dump truck that we're driving of all our prayer requests, and we're like in reverse, and with that annoying beeping sound, by the way, and it's like, beep, 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 beep. God, I'm here, I'm here, and then it's like, yep, here I am, Lord, and the whole thing just, at his feet, and then it's like down, and take care of it, Lord, do your thing to all those, and uh, send me a text when you got a chance so I know what to do. True? Well, I don't get any feel like that from David. No beeping noise. And in fact, David is asking for permission. David is asking that the Lord might give his attention to him. How sweet is that? How humble is that? For David here in this prayer, prayer is not some prayer dumping time. Prayer is something far more than that. It's like an opportunity to be in the presence of God. And I don't think this is actually the kind of thing where he's wondering if he has permission from the Lord. I think this is actually something that David is preparing himself in this. Throughout this whole psalm, David is preaching to himself in his prayer. And David here is entering God's house his very presence. This is not some fast food drive through Verses 1 through 3 are these words of these humble preparation and awe, these words of adoration, kind of these words of requesting to enter. My King and my God, for to you I pray. By the way, how interesting it is. The King 
is asking the king for permission. This is a king-to-king thing. And the Lord is David's king. For I pray to you, I prepare for you, and watch. So cool. By the way, notice the, note the personalness of it. When you look at the text, you see, give ear to my words, Lord. David is not reading someone else's words. It's not wrong to pray scripture. It's not wrong to pray like prayer of people from years and years ago or others. It's not wrong to do that. But these are David's words. And and they're words, uh, by the way. Also, next he says, uh, 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 consider my groaning. Groaning, that's beyond words. That's like the unspeakable, the things that are going on beyond what I can even say. Oh God, would you give attention, would you give ear to my words, and would you give attention, by the way, Lord, even to the other stuff that I can't even put into words that are going on in my life. And then thirdly, he adds here, uh, uh, give attention to the sound of my cry. Boy, that, that like kind of puts it on the table. It's like, this dude's hurting. And it's not only my words and it's not only my groaning that I can't put into words. It's like there's anguish, there's hurt. It's like, help, Lord. I'm just going to say, he starts out raw. This is so honest and so raw. David's prayer is not rote. It's not some formula. It's just a raw David on a plate before the Lord serving himself to the king of kings. Question comes out of that. Why is David entering that way? Here's what's so cool. I think verses 4 through 7 tell us why. The theology of what David just said is now laid out for us. Look at verses 4 through 6. I'm reading English Standard Version. It starts with 4. 4 actually connects it to what was just said. I'm asking this, Lord, for. For you are not a God who delights in wickedness. Evil may not dwell with you. The boastful shall not stand before your eyes. You hate all evildoers. Whoa. You destroy those who speak lies. The Lord abhors the bloodthirsty and deceitful man. Now, we do not know the exact situation behind Psalm 5. Is this tied to last Sunday? We were in Psalm 3 with Absalom, his son. Is it tied to that? We don't know. Honestly, it's not that important. What's important is what is going on here with David. David is preaching to himself. When you first read through this, and when I was first reading through this, it seems like David begins his request, and part of his requesting is that God would kind of curse those enemies that are after him. That's not what's going on here. Is some of that contained within it? Sort of. But I don't think that's what's going on here. David in his prayer is actually preaching to himself because he's just said, God, give ear, give consideration, give attention to my words, my king and my God, for to you I pray. And so David is reminding himself in light of saying that, listen, I am entering into the presence of the Lord and the presence of the Lord contains the reality that that no evil comes here, no wickedness comes here. This is a holy place. This is is unlike the world kind of a place. You do not allow allow that to come into, and I am in that place. David is reminding himself why this place is so incredible. He is preaching at himself about who God is right now. 
He is reminding himself of the character of God. And he has enemies who are seeking to do evil and wickedness and to take him out for their own selfishness. And David in this place, what a safe place. Because this God does not put up with that. And this is like a respite of time, a refuge of time, as we'll see later in the text. This is a time for David to be here before the one that is his king. And God will not allow any of that in here. Love this. David is not backing the dump truck up and dumping all his requests. David is in the presence of the Lord, and David is preaching to himself about what is happening here right now. Oh, and he's not done, because he goes on to say in verse 7, but, but I, through the abundance of your steadfast love, will enter your house. I will bow down towards your holy temple in the fear of you. I mean, the fact of God's holiness, Habakkuk 1.3, your eyes are too pure to look on evil. You cannot tolerate wrong. And David is stepping into that place, and yet here he's reminding himself as well that this is also a place of abundant, steadfast love. This is God's house. This is before God's throne. This is no fast food drive through prayer line. This is no rub-a-dub-dub, thanks for the grub. I've done that. This just, this just is not me all the time. This is David face down, bringing his words and now his posture before the king of kings. Face down before the Lord, all of him. His head, his heart, his song, the whole deal. And I just want to note, we are actually more than halfway through the psalm. And I don't think David has actually asked any, quote, prayer request of the Lord yet, other than, Lord, would you give ear? And I've just been pondering this week, how quick we often enter the presence of the Lord in prayer. Just quick. Listen, I am not saying this has to be this way. This is not a formula. It's not getting to that. I'm just saying notice what's happening here. And how quick we can come into the presence of the Lord. How thoughtless we can come into the presence of the Lord. And, and, and I ask, if, if that was more of my story, if that was more of your story, our story in prayer, I'm going to guess that what comes after this in laying our requests actually are different. When we prepare ourselves for what's about to take place here, the whole dump truck illustration just seems ridiculously insane. And yet that's oftentimes, I think, the case. This is a special place. This is a holy place. This is a mind-boggling place. Again, no guilt. 
learning. In fact, here's what I want to do. Before we go on, I think it would just be a good time to stop and pause. Because I even realize that it's the kind of thing for all of us that even coming to church on Sundays regularly can almost become kind of a habit thing where we just come and we enter in quickly and we do all that. And, and maybe we could just start out by applying this even to us now. So I'd like to just lead us in prayer here, okay? Could we do that? You just follow along with me. So Lord, we stop. And we remind ourselves where we are right now. It's not that this building is a holy temple kind of a thing, but God, here we are together as a corporate faith family together. How sweet is that? How cool is that? How awesome is that? And that is a wonderful thing to gather together, but Lord, something is going on here right now that we can miss. And that is the reality of the presence of you. Oh God, give ear to our words. Oh Lord, would you consider our groaning? God, would you give attention to the sound of our cry? You are the king. And you are God. And it is to you, King and God, that we pray. And though, Lord, in the morning you hear our prayer. And in the morning we prepare for you and we walk. Lord, it is in the place of prayer. You do not allow wickedness. You do not allow evil. Wickedness and evil and bloodthirsty and deceitfulness does not dwell with you, does not stand before you. And God, we realize we do not stand before you because we are perfect, we stand before you only because of the righteousness of Christ. There is no holiness in us. There is depravity in us. But through the abundance of your steadfast love, we will enter your house. And we bow down Towards your throne. And we tremble in the awe of who you are. You are God. Give ear. Consider. Oh, give attention.
Christ's name, amen. Faith prays. David enters in faith, and then David calls out in faith. Verse 8. Verse 8 is the next key component on this fine dining plate. Lead me, O Lord, in your righteousness because of my enemies. Make your way straight before me. It's interesting. This is the only request in the psalm. This is the only real prayer request as I understand and have been working through this. Just the one. And, And there's part of me that I go... Only one? I mean, just, just, seriously, just one? There's something marvelous about simplicity. There's deep thought in simplicity. And of all the things that David could do, I'm a rambler. Have you noticed that? I can ramble in my talk. I'm an out loud thinker, visionary thinker. Uh, and, and so sometimes for me, the greatest way to think is by talking out loud. And, and yet here in this, David is asking for one thing, one thing in his situation. How many? And, and it's not that we should only ask for one thing. That's not the point of the text. But here at this time, this is the one thing David asked. And it's two words. Lead me. Like, what else would we want? Well, I could come up with a list. I know. But what would be the most awesome thing to have? Like God leading, right? Like that, bring whatever you want, but if God is leading, let's go. There's something beautiful about this. Uh, Lead me, O Lord. Why lead? Because of my enemies. Wow, serious troubles going on. There's a Psalm 2 reality. There's a raging mad world reality behind his situation. And God, lead me. Lead me how? What kind of lead? Well, first he says, in your righteousness. It's in your righteousness leading. It's not any old kind of leading. It's God's source leading, it's divine leading, it's just leading, it's, it's right leading, it's, it, it, it's without error leading, it's, it's God you lead, it's not right in my own eyes, it's what is right in your eyes, God lead, lead, lead that. David wants that, do you see what's going on here? David is wanting for the Lord to, to, to step in and to intervene or to continue on. God, if I can think of one request right now, it's that you would lead. And you would lead rightly and justly. and as only you can lead. Well, God, that's what I want. That's what I yearn for. That's what I ask your ear to give attention to. Lead. Lead in righteousness. He does a second thing that is, wow, my wife would know. I've talked with her about this. This one's blown me this week. Make your way straight before me. Now, when we read that, I think what goes on in our mind right away is, God, tell me the next step. Show me the next thing, right? I think that's the thing that comes to him. And that might be what David is saying. God, make your way known to me and 
Make it straight. Make it, make, make it easy. Make it straight away. I think that's what comes into my mind. God, give me direction in this right now. But I have to tell you, I'm sitting back this week and I'm asking the question, if, is that really what actually David is requesting here? Is that really the kind of leading that David is wanting? God, you know, like, send me a text on, on what's next. God, give me a sense of peace on what's next. God, show me what that is. Is that, it could be, uh, okay? Everybody say it could be, okay? But I'm not sure if it is, all right? And here's why. Consider what David is saying in the inflection. Maybe David in this is actually, work with me, I think out loud, permitting the Lord to do his thing. Consider with me. Make your way. Make your way. Make your way, Lord. Make your way straight. Just keep on going, Lord, and I will follow. This may actually have no sense of I need to know what next is next. This may have no sense of God tell me which direction to turn. This literally may be this submissive attitude of kind of this idea that God lead me and I give you permission. It's not like I'm permitting God, but sometimes it's like we want to tell God. And it's like, God, I give you permission to have your way. Make your way. Now, Doug, can you give me some basis on why that might be? Yeah, because I think of the coming theology in the following verses. So let me go there now. What's some of the theology behind this? Verse 9 and 10. Four, there was a four right after the the verse three. Now here's another four. For there is no truth in their mouth. In whose mouth? In my enemy's mouth. For there is no truth in their mouth. Their inmost self is destruction. Their throat is an open grave. They flatter with their tongue. By By the way, what is David doing right now? David is in prayer and David is preaching at himself. Because the Lord already knows this. This is not like David is informing the Lord, hey, Lord, in case you forgot, that's not what's going on here. David is clarifying before the Lord in his prayer. David is preaching at himself in the prayer. And I'm just going to say, how often do we preach at ourselves in prayer? Thinking biblical truth. For there is no truth in their mouth, God. Their inmost self is destruction. Their throat is an open grave. They flatter with their tongue. Make them bear their guilt, O God. Let them fall by their own counsels. Because of the abundance of their transgressions, cast them out. For they have rebelled against you. Is David asking for God to bring righteousness about? Yes, he is. But I think the foremost of this, David is reminding himself in light of his enemies after him, who God is and what God does and how God works. And in this whole thing, it moves into 11. But, but continues the thought. It now contrasts. Now we talk about the enemy. Now we're talking about, but let all who take refuge in you rejoice. Take refuge. What does take refuge mean? Take refuge does not mean I just got a text from God. I just got a moving from God. I just got direction from God. Taking refuge in the Lord is this idea of, God, I am under your wing. God, I am drafting off of you. 
I take refuge in you. God, I don't even need to be told what job I should take, what house I should buy, what car I should purchase, whether I should go there or there, or whether him or her. God, I just need to know this. I take refuge in you, and I draft off of that. But let all who take refuge in you do what? What? Rejoice. Let them ever sing for joy. Like that's singing for joy for a long time. And spread your protection over them. Again, it's protection. It's not more information. And those who love your name may exult, may have elation, may have jubilation in you. Let's take a look at a little bit of this. Uh, in, the, in the but response here. Why should David not be led by the ways of the world? Because the ways of the world lead to destruction, the open grave lead to guilt, lead to falling, lead to casting out because they rebel. Are there not times in life where you're like, you know what, I think I'd rather do this the way of the world? And the answer to that is yes, there are times where you do that, otherwise you're a liar. That meant nicely. Okay? We struggle with it. We want to do things the way the world does things sometimes. And this is one more time to be reminded David is preaching himself. Listen, the way of the world leads to wrong places. The way of the world leads to disaster. If you think that the way of the world is going to bring you satisfaction, is going to bring you joy, is going to bring you song, is going to bring your happiness. Listen, friends, you need to look at those verses again and again because I tell you from my own life and from just about everybody's life in here that we understand that that way leads to destruction, to the open grave. It leads to bad places. And we need to remind ourselves of that. Because there are times where I don't want to do things God's way. I want to do things my way. I want to do things the world's way because I think that's the right way. And David is reminding himself, no, 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 no. Lead me in your righteousness. Make your way straight before me. I am not going to get caught up in the world's way. I'm going to be caught up in your way. And God, you lead me because their way leads to rebellion and to destruction. But God, your way, listen, he, he puts the positive on this. Your way is refuge. And refuge in you brings rejoicing. And, 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 and refuge in you it brings ever singing for joy. Hey, know this. David's in a really bad place in his life, circumstantially. Like he's got enemies after his tail wanting to take him out and down. And yet he's bringing this reality. But God, your way, by your leading, I'm telling you, Doug, I'm telling you, David, I'm telling you, self, that God's leading, God's way leads to joy and rejoicing. By the way, that does not mean that the circumstances are beautiful. But it means within it I can still rejoice. And I can have joy. And I can have song. Even in the hell that we live in today. Because his way is the awesome way. And this is what David just clings to. Ever sing for joy. 
Because you spread your protection over. That those who love your name may have jubilation in you. We don't use that word very often. But jubilation, like how can I picture that? Like jubilation, right? How can someone have jubilation when their enemies are on their tail wanting to take them out night and day? When truth like this is driven in our brains and solidified in our heart, in the presence of the Lord, when that scene is the foremost scene. And that scene needs to overtake the enemy scene. And when that happens, though they slay me, I can rejoice. And that's what David is doing here in this prayer. And, 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 and let, me, let me finish with the exclamation point of the text. Verse 12. Listen, Frank, this is so cool. Because David enters prayer with humility. Oh God, give ear. He's setting himself up to understand what's really taking place. And then he asks his one request. And even when he asks his one request, he's asking for the type of request. And behind that is the theological thought of why that request. Because their leading leads to destruction. But God, your leading leads to joy. And before he leaves his time of prayer with the Lord... He drives the stake in the ground. He puts like an exclamation point. So all of those words, all of the groanings, all of the cries that have just been laid out with his request. He doesn't then say amen as a, and so now I leave. Instead, look at this. It's like he drives it in the ground and he puts real skin and bones and muscle to it, and he sets himself in what he just was doing. For you bless the righteous, O Lord. By the way, that ties all the way back to Psalm 1. Psalm 1, oh, the blessedness of those that are in the congregation of the righteous. David is not self-righteous. David is made righteous through the work for, for David, for the coming work of Christ. For you bless the righteous, O Lord. You cover him with favor as with a shield. I got to tell you, all of that conversation, and then, bam, that verse, he's walking out ready to war. You see what I'm saying? He's like, he has just set everything he just talked about in prayer as an application leave. For you bless the righteous, O Lord. You cover him with favor as with a shield. Amen. And I leave knowing that truth. I got to tell you. That's cool. And I've got to tell you. I'm not sure that's me all the time. And I'm not sure that's us all the time. Quick to enter. Dump the load. So appreciate you, Lord. Would you sort it all out? 
And when you got it figured out, let me know. And we're on the way out. More of this in us. Not a guilt. By the way, no acronym. Not like a formulaic process. What a cool time to sit in with a guy who loved the Lord. And to be able to hear his prayer and learn from him. So how can we make that fit for us? Let me pray. Lord, how often we enter your presence quickly, not right now. We pause in light of what we just read in Psalm 5 to grab a hold of what's going on right now again. You are alive, you are real. This is no game, this is no joke. And you are holy. Wickedness does not dwell with you. Evil cannot stand before you. Your eyes are too pure to look on evil. You cannot tolerate wrong. And and so God, then why are we allowed to be here? We are allowed to be here because of the work of Jesus Christ. And God, for everyone who has come to that place that is driven the stake in the ground and received Jesus Christ as their Savior. They have been given access right now through Christ to the Father. And so God, give ear to our words, I pray. Oh God, would you consider our groaning? Oh God, would you, would you give attention to the sound of our cry? You are king. We need to be reminded that of a raging, mad world where people think they are the kings. You are the king of kings. And you are God. You're not some fast food drive through divine taste. You are God, the creator, the sustainer, the perfect one. Oh God. Face down. Face down in awe. And also like John in Revelation 1, and in fear of your holiness and your awesomeness. This is the place we are right now. At your feet. Oh, marvelous God. God, today, like David, I just ask for one thing. I ask that you would lead us. God, there is a thing within us 
that we want to take control of our lives. You know that. We want to make the decisions. We want to be the controller. We want to be kings and queens of our own little lives. And you know that. But God, right now we remind ourselves that kings and queens of our own lives leads to destruction. It leads to the open grave. It leads to people that manipulate and flatter. And you know that. It leads to placing ourselves as our own God. And you know that. And God, the world will fall by its own consumption with itself. Wanting to be its own king. And you know that. And yet we need to be reminded of that, God, because you also know that we are tempted to want to be like the world, to walk like the world, to go like the world, and to run like the world. And God, it's in us. It's in every one of us. And you know that. But we need to be reminded of that. The way the world is the wrong way. And yet the story does not end there. Because you are not a God that is quick to crush. In fact, the reason the whole world continues on is because of your steadfast love and wanting all to be able to come to you. Oh God, we are reminded the way of the world is the wrong way. But God, we are reminded the way of taking refuge in you is the right way. It is the joy way. It is the rejoicing way. It doesn't mean it's going to be easy. It doesn't mean it's going to be comfortable. It could even lead to our martyrdom. But it's the joyful way. It's the conquering way. It's ever singing for joy way. Your way is the jubilation way. Lead us in your way, Lord, because of those truths, because of those theological facts of Scripture. In your righteousness, Lord, lead us. We want to be led to what is right and what is just and what is divine by you, not by our strength, but by yours alone. So God, make your way straight. 
And Lord, if you want to tell us what that is, then tell us what that is. But God, if that means having a heart to where we, in our own hearts, give you permission to have your way, to lead your way, to just go ahead. God, just plow your way. We will draft off of you. I don't even need to know what the next step of my life is. I just need to know that we're to love you and we're to love others and we're to press after that. Oh God, just make your way straight away. And we are going to be having a party behind your bulldozer. Jubilation. Joy. Even in the storms. And so God, I pray here this morning, right now, right here, that before we leave this place, in our own hearts, heading into this coming week, That we would drive the stake in the ground of knowing, of reminding ourselves, of knowing that in our thoughts, we know that you bless those who have been made righteous through Christ. Well, Lord, you do that. You are not trying to make our life hard. You are trying to conform our lives to be more like Christ. You bless and you cover him and her with favor as with a shield. Your favor is not wimpy and it's not weak. It is like a warrior shield. Lead us, Lord. Lead us like that. That's all we ask. And we step out with our feet firmly planted in that. My King, my God, for do you, I pray.